Hello, Pubcasters. Welcome back to the third episode of the sixth season of the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. Today, we sit with Jeffrey Hassan. He is the co-head of UTA, and we talk about what an agent can do and what an artist should do to grow their live ticket sales. Welcome back, AIMP Pubcast listeners. We are so excited today to be sitting with my friend Jeffrey Hassan with uh, UTA. He's actually the co-head of UTA Nashville. Funny quick story on that. We originally met, I don't know if you remember, at the Downtown Y. You were working out a lot with Aaron Tannenbaum at the time, as I recall. And I remember thinking you guys were like in college because we just saw each other. I'm like, what are you guys in college or something? No, we're agents. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Shows you how old I am, right? So anyway, welcome aboard. Great. Glad to have you on this episode today. I'm excited to talk about all things touring and such. Are you ready to get into it? I'm, I'm ready. Excited to be here. And I definitely remember the uh, old Y days. I just have a few more gray hairs in my beard now. Yeah, I don't think I don't don't feel bad. I, I don't think I think you're a college kid anymore. But, uh, <laughs> for those that remember the old why, because some of these listeners would it was in the basement. That's how old it was. Anyway, I know a little bit about my friend Jeffrey's been an agent as far as I know most of his career, because I think his if I'm recalling correctly, he started at Monterey. Monterey kind of merged into Paradigm and Paradigms to where you're at now as a co-head of UTA, correct? That's it. That's the journey. So I started in California, Monterey Peninsula Artists, moved to Nashville in 2008. Company became Paradigm, was there for a total of Monterey and Paradigm for 16 years. And in October of 20, came over here to UTA and, uh, and it's been really fun and expanding in a major way. And it's been a blast. Yeah, I've been, I've been watching what you guys are doing over there at United Talent. Uh, you guys are doing some cool moves. We'll get into a little bit of that, but let's start with a simple question. What got you in? to jumping in and being an agent. Is that kind of something you always had your mind on or was it an accidental flow into that side of the world? Yeah, no, when I was in college, I tried to book the band Blues Traveler at my fraternity and realized that uh, I did not know what I was doing and it was more money than I had. And so uh, I started, figured out, called an agent. He told me to go to the club in town, the Bluebird, which I did. Then I became the student activities director for the school which I did started booking shows and these shows would come to town and then they'd leave and I'd get really bummed out because it was so fun for that one day. And I realized I wanted to at that point, go represent the artists and be a part of their whole career. And then started putting my resume at every agency I could find. And my dream job was Monterey Pence artists because they had Dave Matthews band and fish and the grateful dead and all these jam bands that I loved. And I got to go work out of a house and, and then, Got the job with Jonathan Levine, the Black Eyed Peas exploded. And the next thing I knew, we were I was learning a lot on every level, from small clubs to stadiums, and, and it was a blast to do it. So that was it. That was pretty easy. Like you're one of the rare ones. I don't know if find too many people that go straight into the agency world like like that. Usually it's out of club ownership or or whatnot. They kind of uh, jump into it. But that leads me to it's a pretty easy, simple uh starting question. Cause let's just pretend I'm a young now, I don't know anything artists like you were when you're in college trying to book a band. What exactly is your day to day? What because we're going to talk about the flow of how this works. So I think most people, even some that are already in the business, don't understand like necessarily the role of agents, promoters, and how all this stuff kind of club owners and how all that works. So give me the basics. Like, what does your day look like and what does that role look like to you and to the artist? 
Yeah, I mean, the, day, the day-to-day has, I think, changed over the years as agencies have continued to shift and, and, and grow over time. So when I started almost 20 years ago, like it was definitely in a boutique company and all of the main focus was just touring. And it had to do with artist development, right? It's like trying to find an artist who no one knows, who's incredibly talented, and try to figure out how to grow their career like any business. And it's like, how do you construct a plan on the live side that you work hand in hand with the managers, obviously who work with the publishers and the record labels and the publicists. And I have a lot of, you know, I have direct contact with the labels and the publishers and the publicists and all that stuff as well. But, but how you work with the whole team on the release strategy, but pair the live side of that to be a key piece of that puzzle to grow an artist's career. And so a lot of that could be through finding the right tour for an artist to support then following up and headlining your own shows, the right festivals to get them on. But I think the agency world over over time has really shifted because it's not just about touring, you know, it's about trying to find it. And not every artist, some artists, that's all they do. But some artists are like what you would consider a multi-hyphenate, which can do multiple things. So it could be about brand deals. It could be about film and TV. It could be about podcasts. It could be all of those things now fall within the umbrella. And that's fun stuff. And I think at any level of an artist's career, you know, if they're a younger artist, some of those brand deals are so key because they help fund a lot of the stuff that you'd end up doing to build your hard ticket fan base. Hard ticket is like the only reason they're coming to see you is you're the attraction. That's it. Soft ticket, festival fair. There's other things going on that would be the reason someone could be showing up and you're a piece of that equation, right? I think that there's so many avenues of how you can build a business today. But for me, you know, having worked with different writers and producers, it might not be, I might introduce, you know, I have a young artist on the pop side that I just introduced to a producer that I work with because we just, if he decides to have an artist career, great. But otherwise, you know, he's probably not going to do that, but we've just been friends and we share intel. And and me introducing him doesn't directly, I don't see any financial result from him having that writing session. But what it did was it helped him find the single that started working online, which then helps build his career. And then it's a win. Then I can start touring. Then I can start doing brand deals. Then I can start doing that. So it's kind of, you know, the day-to-day is different for every artist and what that artist needs. And it changes. But the backbone is touring. But now there's just so many more avenues that we get into, which is really exciting. Let's talk specifics, though, on... If I'm a young guy and I'm starting out, what is some advice you would give me to start a touring career? Like how do how what's the basis of that? The, the advice you would give to a young young artist or a young band that you would see? Well, I I think even thinking about your core audience here for the podcast, right? Like so many writers want to end up being artists, right? Or and some of the greatest ones are. They do multiple things. They have their own projects and they have the song written for this person, that person. But I think for a young artist, the best advice to me is like really getting ingrained in a scene or in creating a culture around yourself, whatever that is, whether that and if you are an amazing writer, like starting in figuring out how to like become friendly and then get into these co-writes and starting with like the listening room stuff, you know, like playing on a writer's round and, and doing that kind of scene in town where you create an environment around you and you create this like artist uh, community. That artist community lends itself to an industry, like the wider industry mouthpiece and then gets the attention of us, you know, 
And then we, you know, we can try to help start putting those building blocks in place. I would think, I would also say if you're actually an artist, artist, and you, and not, not that a writer isn't an artist, but one that wants to be on stage, you know what I'm saying? The one that wants to be on stage singing, you know, I, I don't, don't try to take on the whole globe at first, like focus on like your town, like own your town, own that community, and then let it spread from there. So like, get to the point where you can sell 250 to 500 tickets in one place. And that speaks really loudly and that's going to make a lot of noise and then go to the next town go to, and then expand your sphere of influence. But I do think creating a sense of community among artists and will help ultimately create that community amongst your fans and, and lend itself to doors opening. Great advice. And speaking to the young artists, what is it that you look at that attracts you to want to bring somebody into your, to your roster? I mean, I think that uh, it's, I say sometimes the artists, because it's not an answer I think they want to hear a lot, because it's just gut instinct a lot of times. It's like, you hear it, you feel it, you get a sense for it. And it's like, is this person going to, is this a career artist or is it a moment in time, right? And I think for me, it's, it really comes down to that gut instinct. It comes down to the songs and the music at the end of the day for all of us, right? Does it move you? Does that live experience move you in a different way that, that, it, that you feel like it's got that it thing, which is so cheesy, but if it's true, like there's just some undefinable thing that you get a sense that like it's going to be there. So it's just, that's why I hate the answer because it's true, but there's no way you can like really quantify it. Now I will say in today's, you know, current landscape, we would be um, naive not to use metrics from, from data on social media and streaming and all of the other areas that we have, right? Like it's there, we can see it, um, but then it's still, you have to sift through that to reveal who's going to have that, if, who, ha who makes your, your gut instinct go off within that framework. So we use art, we see artists all the time where their metrics go crazy. But I just don't feel like I think it's just a moment in time where it's like a dance video thing that just happened and it's not going to be an artist's career. So we have to send, sift through that and figure out who do we think is going to go from there. So the metrics help play a part, but then your gut has to take over from there and then feel who's going to be a career artist. Yeah, I, I have the exact same answer. People go, what are you looking for and how do you sign writers? I'm like, I just know when I know. <laughs> it's the worst answer for somebody. <laughs> Again, going back to me, young artist, where in my journey do would you suggest, like, is it time for me to jump into looking for an agent or somebody like you to, to further my career? What point do you want them to be at and what point should I be starting to look? Yeah, I think that, you know, again, the answer is changes all the time with the type of artist you are but i do think now in today's landscape everyone is just on things so early now because of social media because of you know i i think this like fomo of you know in the business that you just like oh no if i don't you know you have to be so early these days otherwise it's kind of already gone and i think agencies nowadays tend to be on the earlier side in some cases so it really depends on the artist. Like sometimes we're the four, we're in the forefront and we're the first thing a person picks and then they actually pick a manager and we help guide them through that process. A lot of times an agent, an artist will have a manager, you know, and then they'll start to make some noise and then they'll look for, an, for someone like us. I do think it, it really will depend on the style of artist, who you are, where you are. It, 
some artists might have a real, if you have a really great sense of how to work your socials, a great identity, you know exactly what you want to see out of your music. You start, you've started building organically on your own in a region. Like maybe you do jump to us. If, If you're in the phase of discovery and you don't even know who you are at that moment, like, where you're going to land genre wise necessarily, or, you know, your identity completely. A manager is probably the right fit to help you work through some of those um, building blocks that you're going to need foundationally um, that some artists just inherently have. So it really does depend. And again, it goes back to that unfortunate answer that no one likes to hear about (laughs) gut instinct and (laughs) <laughs> and not and knowing when's right to when's right. It's just kind of like it, it depends artist on. Well, that's great. And I will give a little nod to you guys since uh, it won't sound like it's, you're bragging on yourself, but like you mentioned Doliak, you guys have done a great job. Big fan. I just met Chase for the first time. I've been a fan of his online presence and what he's doing and what a sweet dude, man. Like we played some songs for him. Great, great kid. And then Another one of my favorites, I know it's not one of your directs, but Megan Maroney is going to be huge, man. Like freaking A. That's, she's amazing. She's amazing. It's Yeah, it's been incredible. And we, and at least in our office, you know, discover, you know, found Megan early on. And, but we've all, we've all weighed in and, and helped where we can. And that's what you do as a team. It's like, but she is going to be a superstar. And, and just watching those first shows blow out and, you know, finding the right festivals for her to be on. And also, I think something that doesn't happen a lot in the country landscape sometimes, unfortunately, is like they, that perpetual support thing does happen. And for, for Megan, we're, you know, going right back out in the fall and, and we're actually about to announce a, a tour. And I feel like, or it actually might have announced today, but, um, but, uh, but the point is, is like building the next generation of headliners, like we're using all the resources we have and not, not slowing down, not waiting for something to happen. And we've, you know, utilized having, you know, money in the brand space to help us fund certain things that we were doing and then and then she found the record label and then she you know it was like all the things that you do it was even before the record so thanks man appreciate it now i want to get to some basics because here's one of the things i find that people get really confused general audience as well as business people on the flow of money and your space. Cause you know, there's agents, there's promoters, there's clubs, there's ticketing. And obviously ticketing has been in the forefront of people's conversation. So we can dig into as much of that as you may or may not want to dig into, but break this down for the basics of explaining how the live world works. Now I'm talking more on the like hard touring level, not the, the entry level level. So if you can explain in like basic terms to me, I always like to play the role of idiot cause I do it really well, but just <laughs> explain all that to me so our uh, our listeners can understand how all the money flows in your world we figure out where we want to play when we want to play we we have you know strategy put together and then we let's just use one city as an example you know you go you either put a venue on hold which you call the you know and and then you you find the promoter you want to play with in that market who you either think has history of building fans or might have built you from clubs on up or just someone who who is aligned with ha- knowing how to promote the artists that you're promoting or might have the festival in that town that you can then grow with that festival. And then you'd ask them to send you an offer. You'd, co- you'd kind of know what the ticket price that you're looking for. So if it's, an, if it's a club level, you know, 1500 cap club, maybe it's 25 to $30 ticket. That's like a gross ticket. Now, maybe out of that ticket, like either on top, there could be 
ticketing fees, which we don't control from Ticketmaster, let's say, you know, and there's probably another 12% that gets thrown on top or whatever. They're actually, in their case, like 24% that gets thrown on top. But we, that's another argument we can have another day. But uh, and that we unfortunately don't control. But so we pick the ticket price. And then out of that, there's, you know, multiple ways we can then cut the deal for an artist. And a lot of times we, we try to get a guarantee, which means no matter what happens, if no one shows up, the artist makes X amount of money. But then we always try to build what's called a back end on every deal where it's like, if after the artist, you know, the artist gets this guarantee, or if they cover expenses and there's enough money left over, if that percentage of money, like 85% of whatever's left over is greater than the guarantee, you might walk with this money, right? Or you could structure a deal that just like you get after your guarantee, you get like a percentage of that money that goes on top of your guarantee. So there's different ways to structure deals. Sometimes we even don't take a guarantee at all. We just say, we'll take a straight percentage of what comes in the door. And so it's our, it's the agent's job to negotiate what style of deal. Um, a lot of times you'll pull, it depends on leverage, right? So like if a promoter really wants to show, or there's multiple promoters buying from the same act, and then you can typically get a better deal. If you decide to take a the risk away from a promoter by not putting a huge guarantee on it and just taking a percentage of gross store deal with no guarantee, you're sharing in that risk. You're not putting on the hook for a guarantee, no matter what happens, you can typically get a bigger percentage. So if you believe your artist is going to sell the tickets, sometimes it's better to just take the percentages and over the course of a tour, you'll make more money. Not all artists will, will buy into that. Some will because of how hot you are. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's basically the the nuts and bolts. I mean, of what we do is just trying to figure out the right deal with the right artist in the right room with the right ticket price, uh, and then from there, it's you know figuring out the right marketing plan, working with the you know that's something that I think people forget is that you know the agencies do that as well. Your agent or you know tour marketing department within your agency will help you navigate your marketing plan and and figure out why why is not something not selling. Dig in with the promoter. I mean. To your point earlier, promoters are also promoting you know, a ton of shows a year, not just yours. A lot of promoters do really amazing work, obviously, but sometimes they just get busy and you having your artist's best interest, you're paying attention to the ticket sales. You might call the promoter and push them to be like, what can we do to help give this a bump in sales? What kind of marketing strategy? You know, have you thought about sending flyers at the following places, at the following shows? But, you know. So we monitor that stuff too, which is is also another piece of the puzzle. Yeah. To me, it's a pretty complicated world you live in, but I know it's kind of simple because you do it all the time. But one important question I had I failed to ask kind of at the beginning, but we could uh, touch on it now. Who are you working with directly these days? Uh, my roster is really weird, so uh, <laughs> I, I I like kind of a genre list when it comes to um, when it comes to my roster. So. Uh, on the countryside, I work, I work with Tyler Hubbard and Jamie Johnson and Brittany Spencer and Alana Springsteen and Adam Doliak and then um, Billy Ray Cyrus. And then on the rock side, I work with Young the Giant and Dashboard Professional and Surfaces and Coin and Dayglow and Boy With Uke and kind of the pop alt side, Jesse Murph and Tori Kelly um so i am kind of all over the the board when it comes to genres even like kind of singer songwriter and kind of alternative bands like rustin kelly or the work of the bluff and so i, I again i'm just very much 
all over the map. And if I forgot one of my bands, which I probably did in that, I'm sorry, but I love you all. And yeah. <laughs> you have musical schizophrenia, man. You're like all over yeah, the place. <laughs> I, I am all over the place. But it's I honestly think it's how a lot of people listen to music these days anyway. And it's like, you know, it's I think people do like I, I put surfaces on Tortuga Festival like last year and it was I think they played in front of forty thousand people on the main stage, but they had had a collab with Thomas Rhett and you know, so there was some sort it's kind of a beachy fun vibe and like kind of it it, it just fit and it worked. And I've, uh, you know, put a lot of Springsteen out with the alternative rock band Laney and it worked because they had had to do out Kelsey Ballerini and they had kind of like blur the lines. And so I, I think that that's how a lot of people consume. It's like sometimes I'm in the mood to listen to Jamie or Tyler Childers or, you know, and then sometimes I'm in the mood to listen to Young the Giant or Coldplay, you know, just depends on what I'm doing. And sometimes I want to listen to Eminem, you know, if I'm working out and doing, you know, so just, I think that's what people do. Yeah. I, I listen like you. So it's, it's been fun uh, in growing through Nashville and where we're at as a whole, that the marketplace, even on a publishing end is so broad and diverse. I have one writer. I'm, I help set up sessions from LA and it's with a lot of the rock guys and the edgier bands in town and the alt people, as well as my traditional country writers. And we have a rock label here at big machine. So it's, yeah, yeah. I get to kind of broaden everything. So no chance of getting bored, man, no chance of getting bored. The AIMP Nashville Pubcast is hosted by yours truly, Tim Hunzi, producer Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. And this has been a Dime Collective production. 